0: What do you think would be the difference in your professional reputation if you were silent 240 times in front of your colleagues versus if you contributed something 240 times? If people are going to take a risk and put you in a big promotion or a big project or something new, they need to know. (laughs) She's not going to be sitting silent in the room. She's going to say something. So you really want to show people that. And again, Take it in small steps baby steps that's how i did it right welcome to the art of speaking up a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them i'm your host jessica guzzik and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible i'm so excited that you're here And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. It is wonderful to meet you. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Jess. I'm the host of this podcast. I used to have a career in the corporate space. I did strategy work. I worked at really big brands and big companies and had a lot of success in my corporate career. And now I am a full-time host and creator on this podcast and a coach for women in the nine-to-five space. And all of the work that I do is focused on helping women build confidence, find a powerful voice at work, and rise up and get promoted because that makes me happy. When women are moving up, I always have a really big smile on my face and it makes me feel really good. There's just something about it that gets me going. And Today's episode is part of a three-part series that I'm doing, and if you've listened to part one, you know the spoiler, and you know that this series is about the single most important thing for your career, which is your professional reputation. And in part one, I walked you through the basics of what your professional reputation is and why it matters so much. Because I know for me personally, if I understand why something is important and why something matters, it makes me feel much more motivated to actually invest in and focus on that thing. So I created part one so you understand why this is so important. And in parts two and three, I am breaking down what comprises your professional reputation and what options you have for getting in the driver's seat when it comes to building your professional reputation. Of course, people around you will probably see that you're really talented and that you're really good at what you do, but I don't want you to develop your reputation, your professional reputation, by accident. I don't want you to have it developing on autopilot. I want you to be very intentional about what you want your professional reputation to be, so that you can practice showing up as that version of you and so you can take the actions that are going to help you build the professional reputation that you want because the more powerful and the more robust your professional reputation is, the more you're going to be able to land roles and promotions and move up faster. Your reputation is the single most important driver of your growth into higher roles And you will find that the higher the roles get, the more the reputation matters. It grows in importance over time, and it's something that you build and cultivate over time. And it is never, ever too soon in your career to start focusing on it and building it. I am so excited to dive in. I just get really excited about this because it's one of those things that I wish I had thought about sooner, And it's also one of those things where your mindset can really get in the way. If you're lacking confidence and you doubt yourself a lot, it makes you want to hide. And hiding is not conducive to building a powerful reputation. And of course, it makes sense to hide when you're scared and there's no judgment on that. But it's really also helpful to understand what you're sacrificing when you are hiding, and also more importantly for you to understand that just because you feel scared and sometimes you want to hide doesn't mean you can't also draw on an inner strength and an inner badass and an inner warrior who's like, I'm terrified and I like hiding and building a professional reputation sounds scary to me, but bitch, I'm gonna do it anyway, right? Like that option is available to you and that is why I do this show because I wanted to be the voice of the person who is super anxious and lacked confidence and was really scared in my career and felt really awful a lot of the time and still did the things, like still did the scary things and went for the big roles and pushed forward in my career and built my reputation. I want you to know that you can feel like a mess and still do really well and still follow all of the things that I tell you to do on this podcast. That's what I did. And that's what I want for you, right? I want to be the example of the really messy person. Like, I want to be the example of the hot mess express who still had success. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that rhymes. Hot mess express who still had success. So anyway, the reason that I'm telling you this is because often when you have a mindset issue or a confidence issue, you will tune out certain information or you will hear certain advice and it'll automatically like bounce out of your brain Because you're thinking, well, I can't do this. I can't follow this advice because X, Y, Z, because I'm different than other people, because I'm more insecure than other people, because my imposter syndrome is bigger and more real than other people's. And I just want you to be onto that and I just want you to be aware of that because following that thinking is what's going to keep you stuck. And when you learn to stop following that thinking, that is when you have you start having like this really big shift and change. And that's when things just start pivoting in your life and in your career in the biggest, most massive way. It's the transformation that I've been through. It's the transformation that I walk so many of my one-on-one clients through is learning that so much of what you think about yourself and so much of the negativity and the limitation is subjective and it doesn't have to control and rule your life. And I feel so strongly about that message. And that's why I'm going on a rant about it. But back to the topic at hand, your professional reputation. No matter where your confidence is, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how much self-doubt you have, this episode is for you. This advice is for you. I don't think there's anyone out there, not even you, is quote-unquote too broken or too messed up or too shy to put this into practice. I believe in you, of course. I can't believe in you for you. You also have to believe in you. But I want you to stay open as you listen to this and open yourself up to the possibility that however you are right now is enough for you to take these baby steps to build a powerful reputation. So let's dive in together. I am also really excited to share with you that as part of this episode, I created a workbook. Because professional reputation is so important and because listening to these episodes won't do much for you unless you take action, I wanted you to have the key action items distilled down from this episode series so that you could get really, really clear on your exact next steps that you are going to take at work to get in the driver's seat and drive this professional reputation to where you want it to go. You can get the workbook in the show notes down below, and as I'm talking through the topics on this episode, it's going to kind of make the workbook make more sense. So my intention is that you listen to these episodes and then you go through the workbook because everything that I'm sharing here is context for the workbook, but the workbook is going to help you take all of this, you'll have it in a visual place where you can actually work through it and take everything I'm sharing and digest it into a simple, clear plan that you can start implementing at work Today and the workbook, I made it short and sweet. It will take you about 15 to 20 minutes to fill out and you will have a clear focus and you'll be able to take all of this information, implement it at work, and begin laying those foundational building blocks for your reputation, which makes me so excited. The workbook is in the show notes or you can go to Coaching.com slash professional reputation. That is where you'll find the sign-up page for it. And now let's dive in. Oh my God, I feel like there's so much lead up. And then whenever I do all this lead in and I take so long (laughs) to like get to the main juice of the episode, I'm always thinking like, oh man, the pressure's on, right? I better deliver. So (laughs) we'll see if I'm able to. Hopefully I can. I want to give you a quick overview of what I'm talking about in part two and then what I'm going to be talking about in part three of this series. Your professional reputation is made up of two things, two axes, and I'm talking about one of them in this part and I'm talking about the other one in part three. The two axes, the two things that comprise the strength of your professional reputation that determine what your professional reputation is and how strong it is and how hard it's going to work for you professionally, those two things are narrative and relationships. And I've separated them out because they're very different things. And as I walk you through this, I think a lot of things are going to start to click and make sense to you, things that took some time to click and make sense to me. But once I really understood and internalized, my career got so much easier. And I was thinking, why aren't we telling this to people? Why aren't we sharing this information to more people? So here I am, sharing this information with you. So I'm going to quickly define narrative and I'm going to quickly define relationships and then I'm going to deep dive into narrative in this episode, what your narrative is and how it gets built and what choices you have to take a proactive role in building it. That's also why I created the workbook because I want you to actually take this episode and then go take action out at work. And then in part three, I'm going to dive into relationships. So narrative is very simple. It's the story that people have about you in their heads. So I'm going to use myself as an example to keep it really simple. My narrative would be if my – I'm not in corporate anymore, but like let's say I still was – my boss or other leaders on the team or maybe my team members, right – Narrative would be if they say, Jessica is blank, right? That would be the narrative. Now, there are a lot of things (laughs) that could go in the blank, right? Jessica is creative. Jessica is a strategist. Jessica is an anxious person a lot of the time, right? Like so many things can go in the blank, but what you'll find And what I advise you to do and how I advise you to think about this is as your professional reputation gets built and cultivated, it's going to start to circle around just two or three big key themes. So using myself as an example, there are many things that I was good at in my job. I could probably make a long list of things that I was good at in my job, but my professional reputation was mostly centered around my soft skills, my people collaboration skills, and well, there were three parts. There were my soft skills and my people skills, there were my communication skills, and then there was my problem solving and strategic thinking. Those were the three big things that I was distinguished for. And I would say, actually, I was more distinguished for the collaboration and being able to work with people and for my communication skills more so than my strategy skills, which was literally the core of my job. I was a strategist and I had major success in my career, not by having people think about me as a really good strategist. And I really want you to hear this because this is so important. I didn't have success with a reputation that was Jessica is really good at strategy, which was the core thing that I did in my job. I built my professional success on Jessica is an excellent collaborator and an excellent communicator. And I really want you to think about this because I think so often we get really tripped up thinking that we have to be really good at everything and thinking that we have to have the most amazing technical skills and all of this stuff. And of course, our skills in our job matter. But what I really want you to understand is that you get to build your professional reputation off of the things that are your natural superpowers, right? So I am better at communicating and collaborating than I am at being a strategist, and I was able to be a very successful strategist with strategy maybe not being my biggest strength. I was good at it, but I was not the best. It was not the thing that I was the best at. And this is such a beautiful thing because I think that we think that we need to be the best and good at everything. And I think this creates a breeding ground like a fertilizer for imposter syndrome because no one's good at everything. We all, you know, we're like a bell curve, right? We have a few things that we're really bad at at the early end of the bell curve. And then in the middle of the bell curve, there's a bunch of stuff that we're like decent at. And then at the high end of the bell curve... There are one or two things that we're really, really good at and I don't want you to worry about any part of the bell curve except the far end, the things that you're really, really good at because those are the things that are going to form your professional reputation and those are the things that you're going to become known for and that are going to help you get ahead. And as you get into higher management positions and as you get promoted, what you will find is that you don't need to have the sharpest, sharpest technical skills unless you're in a very technical field and you need to like get really hands-on with your people and guide them in their technical expertise. You don't need super strong technical skills. You need leadership skills. You need to just be able to work with people and influence people and get things done. And so if There are parts of your job that you feel like are harder for you or not your strength. I just want to invite you to consider the possibility that that might not actually matter and that you might be thinking about your career path and the skills that you need in this really rigid, limited way. And I want to open up your mind to the idea that you just need one or two things that you know you can smash it out of the park every time on, and the rest can just be the middle of the bell curve. You can just be like pretty good at all of the other things. That's fine. And you can have some things that you suck at. (laughs) I certainly did. And all of this is okay. All of it harmonizes together. It's really not a problem. And I wish someone had told me that sooner (laughs) because I was convinced that it was a problem. I can even feel my brain like old thought patterns fighting back as I share this with you. I can feel my brain going like, no, it's totally a problem. You have to be good at everything. But I know that isn't true. I know that that's not how I built my career. And I know that when you aim for this perfection, you end up unhappy and your performance ends up lower because you don't feel good because you feel so crappy all the time. And so I, I wanted to point that out to you because it's so important. So back to narrative. Narrative is the story that people have around you in their minds. So a big part of the narrative of my professional reputation is Jessica has really good communication skills, and Jessica is a really good collaborator. And I find it so interesting that neither of those things were really about the core of my job responsibilities. Fascinating, right? The second piece, relationships, which I'm going to go into in part three, is the interpersonal relationship you have with the people around you. And I'm going to save that for part three so I can focus solely on narrative. So here's what I want you to think about with narrative. And this also applies to relationships too. And this also applies to promotions. The thing I'm about to share with you literally applies to everything (laughs) that I talk about on the show. But when it comes to narrative, I'm laughing so much because I'm like, oh my God, this is true about everything I share and I'm having a light bulb moment that this is so freaking important. But when it comes to professional narrative, there are two ways it can get built, passive and active. This is, you guys, I feel like I'm redoing the exact promotion episode. I'm, this is really weird and trippy, but I feel like I'm redoing episode 147 where I explained to you with getting a promotion, you could be passive and you can wait for the promotion or you could be active and you can actually take steps to make the promotion come to you faster. Your professional reputation is exactly the same. You can be passive and you can just show up and do your work. And your professional reputation will form, right? Regardless of whether you're thinking about it or not, your professional reputation exists and it's being shaped and it's forming and evolving every single day. Or you can be active. This is really important. When you become active around your professional reputation, not only do you begin to consciously decide what you want that reputation to be, what you want to be known for, how you want people to think about you. But you also begin to take steps, to take brave action, to take scary action, to take new action in your day-to-day job to help you cultivate the reputation that you desire. So going from passive to active with your professional reputation is a shift from letting it form however it's going to form to deciding what you want that reputation to be and then taking action specifically to build the reputation that you want to have. And I went into this heavily in part one, so I won't go into this too much again here. But I want you to think of your reputation as the nourishment, the fertilizer for your growth. The richer the fertilizer, the faster the plant is going to grow. If the plant is in a really dry, sandy soil that doesn't have lots of good plant nutrients in it, the plant is going to take longer to go, but when you have this beautiful fertilizer, the plant's going to grow faster. Your reputation is the same. Okay. I just had a thought come to mind, <laughs> but I'm not going to share because it's not, it's not appropriate. <laughs> but like you can think of reputation. Okay. Fine. I'll just share it. I was going to say it's like the lube, right? It's like the lube of your professional growth. I, You know, I don't, I don't share those kinds of things on this show because it, like, it's a a show about work, right? Like, like hashtag weird. (laughs) But that's what came to mind, and in the spirit of transparency, that's what I was just thinking just then. But anyway, let's just go with fertilizer because simple, right? But it it helps the growth happen faster, and it's not that the plant can't grow without the fertilizer. But it's that the fertilizer is going to help the plant grow faster. And the same is true for your professional reputation. But I will say that as you get more senior in your career, you cannot grow without it. Like you have to have it there. You need that fertilizer. And so that's why it is so worth the investment to decide what you want your professional reputation to be and then to take steps to build it. Now, your reputation, your professional reputation – gets built, the narrative, the story of how people think about you. So Jessica is blank. That story gets built in four different ways. And I'm going to walk you through all four of them. And what I want to point out is that for the four ways that your professional reputation gets built, I call them forums. These are the four forums Where your professional reputation gets built. And for three out of the four of these, you are 100% in control. So I'm going to walk you through each one and this is all going to start to make sense. So let's start with number one. The narrative of your professional reputation. One place where it gets formed. And this is the most obvious one is your work product. This is people observing. The actual output that you create, whether it's a report, whether it's a document, whether it's a presentation, and also them observing you doing the actual work, right? Sending emails, you know, collaborating. It's people watching how you work and what kind of work you create. Your work is inevitably going to be imprinted with your strengths and weaknesses. So all of the things that you're good at, all of the things, you know, all the things on the bell curve for you are going to be funneled into your work product. So when people see your work product, it's like they're seeing a mirror, a reflection of that bell curve, and they're going to start to build those ideas into your narrative. So I'll give you an example from my career And I'm feeling very self-centered, like all of the examples are me, (laughs) but there's no one else here, so it has to be me. But I'm like, I don't know why I'm feeling weird about it, which is strange. But anyway, I'll give you an example from my career. My work product helped me get a reputation for being a strong communicator because because I was naturally really good at communication. All of my documents would be really simple and really, really clean, and that would happen without me trying because my brain just likes to create these really clean, streamlined documents. And so I gained a reputation as being good at communication and good at executive communication, like good at creating content and materials and sharing ideas with executives. And that was reflected in my PowerPoints, in my emails, in how I spoke, right? People observed me, and that became part of my reputation. So that's the first place. People observing your work, super straightforward. The second place your reputation gets built, and this one is very important for all of you listening, is in meetings. And especially in meetings where there's an exchange of ideas, where people are sharing information. Now, this is really important because you might be thinking that, well, isn't that just like, like part, like example one, like work product? Why are meetings different? And what's interesting is that when you're speaking up in meetings and sharing things in meetings, especially if people are having messy discussions, right, and especially if people are exchanging lots of ideas back and forth, you are showing people a side of you that doesn't come out through the work that you do. Because when you create a work product and people see your work product, They see the end result. They see the thing that you made. What they don't always see is how you got the end result, how you think through things, how you work through problems in your mind, how you come up with solutions. Those are all things that you did in your brain as you were working on your stuff. But when you're in a meeting and people are talking about a problem or trying to solve something difficult and you talk in that meeting and you're part of that conversation, people start to see the level of thinking that you can contribute in a way that they can't see when they're only looking at the final work product. It's the same as if you can order something at a restaurant, right? Like let's say you order a steak and you eat it and it tastes good. That is not the same as going into the kitchen and watching the chef make the steak, You are going to have very different thoughts about the chef because when you watch him make the steak, you're going to be like, holy cow, (laughs) no pun intended, holy cow, get it? (laughs) That was an accident. Oh, God, so cheesy. But you're going to be like, holy cow. (laughs) Oh, no, I can't stop laughing. Holy shiz. I'm so impressed at how this chef made the steak. And you're going to view not only the steak differently after you watch the chef cook it, but you're going to view the chef differently, right? Meetings are the same. Meetings are where people get to see your process, see how you think, see how you put things together, especially in formal meetings, meetings where projects are in process, right? Meetings that aren't the final readout of a big project. And I think that this is so important because what people observe of you in meetings is going to add to your professional reputation. And this is where the art of speaking up becomes wildly, wildly important. Because every meeting you're in, every room that you're in is a chance and opportunity to contribute to your most valuable professional asset, aka your reputation. So when you are not speaking in meetings and not sharing your thinking and not sharing your process with people, there is an opportunity cost to that. There is lost value that you could have created for yourself. And it's not just about your idea getting thrown in the ring. And it's not just about your idea changing the direction of the project, although that's important. It's about what people begin to think about you and your capabilities as they see you forming and sharing ideas. It is so much more than just that room. It is so much bigger than just that meeting. That room and that meeting is representative of your entire set of capabilities, and that room and that meeting is where people are going to get to see a side of it, a glimpse of it, an angle of it that they don't get to see otherwise. And that's why it is so, so, so important to get comfortable being part of a conversation because part of the reason you get a management role, you get a leadership role, you get an executive role. Leaders, executives, they are paid for their brains and their problem solving. They're not making lots of outputs, right? Like the CEO of your company is not pumping out documents. The CEO of your company is in rooms using their thinking to help move things forward. And so if you want to be a leader and you want to practice that skill and show people that you have that skill, you've got to begin to act as a leader, and act as an executive and view your brain as the most important asset in a meeting room and one that you are expected to use and share with everyone around you. This is so wildly important, and I know that this can feel scary. It took me a really long time to get comfortable contributing in meetings, and I really understand that it can feel hard, and so I encourage you to do it in tiny steps, and I'm sure I'll do tons more episodes on on that. But I I want you to understand the connection between your experience in a meeting room and your professional reputation, and then the connection between your professional reputation and the future of your career. And every single meeting that you're in is building to that. The way that you can think about this, and this is something – that I will often share as a perspective in my one-on-one work is I want you to think not about the meetings that you're in this week. I want you to think about a year's worth of meetings. There are 52 weeks in a year. And I want you to imagine that if you have one meeting per day, which you probably have more than that, right? But let's say that's 20 meetings in a month, 20 times 12, 240, I mean, obviously holidays and whatever, but just go with it, 240 meetings in a year. What do you think would be the difference in your professional reputation if you were silent 240 times in front of your colleagues versus if you contributed something 240 times? Just let that sink in, right? This doesn't mean that you need to go from not speaking up to being the loudest person in the room. But it does mean that the sooner you can get yourself on that journey and the sooner your voice can emerge, the faster you can build a very powerful reputation. And with 240 meetings, you don't have to share the smartest thing every single time, right? Sometimes it's just about visibility. You speaking so people remembering, oh, she's in the room, she's in the meeting, she's on the project, right? Even just the act of you speaking, even if your idea is like kind of blah, like even if it's like a B-level idea, it's still better for your reputation than not contributing anything at all. Because when you don't contribute anything, there's a question mark in people's minds. They don't know what you're thinking. They don't know what you could be contributing, which is why it's such a loss, such a loss when you have an idea that you don't share because no one's ever going to know except for you. And that's why it's so important. And when you share something, even if it's not the most amazing thing, at least the question mark of like, is she willing to lean in? Is she going to be a part of this? Is she going to speak up? That's no longer a question mark. And people need to know that. If people are going to give you more responsibility, if people are going to promote you, if people are going to take a chance on you, if people are going to take a risk and put you in a big promotion or a big project or something new, they need to know. (laughs) She's not going to be sitting silent in the room. She's going to say something. So you really want to show people that. And again, take it in small steps, baby steps. That's how I did it, right? Lots of failures on the way. I had lots of meetings where I I felt like I was so brave and I pushed myself out of my shell and I said something and then it was crickets and silence and I wanted to run and hide in the corner. But you know what? I'm so happy I did that and I'm so happy I kept doing that and had crickets over and over again until I just felt so comfortable in the room that like none of that even mattered anymore. And I believe that you can get there too. And I want you to understand how important meetings are for your professional reputation. Okay, that was the second one on the list of things that form your professional reputation. And I have two more things on the list. And these ones are the ones that are like, I know for me, these ones are ones that would have made me feel very anxious and insecure (laughs) if I had listened to a podcast talking about this. So I want us to just be gentle, As we think about these, and I want you to be really aware of judging yourself or being harsh on yourself, I just, I really think that you will grow so much faster, and this is foundational to so much of the work that I do, when you are super kind to yourself and you let yourself be messy and human. So as I go into the rest of the list, let's be aware of that, and let's try to listen with your heart and with some love and warmth for yourself. So... The next one on the list, this is the one that you do not control. So you control your work product. You control your behavior in meetings. Those are one and two on the list. Number three, you do not control, but it is operating. Number three, the thing that builds the narrative, which eventually comprises your professional reputation. Is people talking about you, the grapevine. I'm hearing the grapevine song, Nun Zana Man, not supposed to cry. But I'm not gonna sing that because that that could get scary <laughs> for you. But it's the grapevine, right? It's people talking about you. And I know for me, like the thought of people talking about me, it's anxiety-inducing, right? Like that's why when I I've talked about this before, when I first launched this podcast, I was so scared that people were talking about me and how horrible I was because so many more people had access to like listen to me on the podcast, right? And so I understand this fear and I understand how scary it can feel to imagine what people might be saying about you. But I really want you to think of your reputation as being like water. Water just spreads, right? So unless water is contained in a cup, aka unless you are playing this proactive role in cultivating the reputation that you want, if water is not contained in some sort of structure, it spreads, right? And so whatever people say about you, whatever people think about you, it spreads everywhere. And here's the way that it spreads. And I'm just getting like really tactical now and like really in the reality of what it means to work in a company with other humans. And this is my opinion from my experience, and this is what I have observed in my career and in the work that I do. It spreads based on the seniority of the various people. So, for example, I might not have the same reputation spreading among my boss and my boss's peers as the reputation about me that is spreading among my team who report into me. And the reputation that's spreading among all of my exact peers also might be different, right? So in a professional environment, people talk about people. And you know this (laughs) because I know you're talking about people too. I mean, we all are, right? Like, how are we supposed to get by? We need good workplace gossip. (laughs) And I can't believe that I'm saying that. But can you imagine if we didn't have it? And look, I'm not saying to be an asshole, I'm not saying to be a dick, but I'm saying like we need sometimes we need workplace gossip to break the tension, if you know what I mean. Anyway, what I want you to think about, though, is that what someone thinks about you is going to spread to the other people at that person's level of seniority. This is really important, and I'm going to now have you think about this in the upwards direction because that's what's most important for you. So, of course, your boss's thoughts about you and the narrative they have about you in their heads is really important, but what a lot of people don't realize and what is one of the most powerful ways to skyrocket your reputation is that if you work with other people at the same level of seniority as your boss, those people are probably going to talk to your boss about you. And this is awesome because, first of all, I know that for a lot of you, and this might be the case with you, I know some of you feel anxious around your boss and you are probably more comfortable around people who aren't your boss. And that is a beautiful thing. Because when you're more comfortable, you can perform better. And if you can perform at your best around people who are at the same seniority level as your boss but not your boss, what they observe about you is going to get shared back with your boss. And I really want you to think about this and I really want you to start thinking about the people that you work with who will influence your boss's narrative about you. And that's what matters most for your professional reputation. Because like I said in part one, of course, I want you to be respected and hopefully admired and enjoyed by everyone around you, whether they're your peers or whether they're more junior than you. I want them all to think that you're awesome. But when it comes to your uh, promotion and you growing in your company and you landing big roles and moving up, the more senior someone is. The more their opinion of you matters when it comes to your professional reputation. And I'm in part three, I'm going to talk about relationships, which is a whole other thing. And so what I would want you to think about then is that the more senior someone is, even if they're not your boss, they're going to play a really big role in your professional reputation. However, you cannot control directly. <laughs> what people are saying to each other about you, right? Like that – and I know like what a, what a horrifying thought, right? Like I as I was writing the outline for this episode, I felt horrified by that. Like for some reason it was so confronting for me to think about that idea and I don't want to like stress you out because I, I was I was stressing myself out just thinking about like the grapevine and people gossiping and like obviously the whole point of this is for you to have a really good reputation and for it to be really positive – But there is something really scary about this idea of your reputation spreading, but my hope is that with all of this that I'm sharing, you can take control of what you want your reputation to be, and you can feel really good about it spreading because it's the reputation that you want to have. Which brings me to number four on the list of how the narrative of your reputation gets formed, and this one's really important. I probably need to do an entire solo episode on this one, to be honest with you. So let me give you the overview of it for this episode. The last way that your professional reputation gets formed, and let me recap, it gets formed by people watching you work, by people watching you in meetings, by people talking about you to one another, and the last way it gets formed is by you talking about yourself. This is the thing that I see most often that my clients aren't doing. And this is one of the first things that we do, especially when someone wants to get a promotion. And this is something that you can start doing. And it's really important, but it it can be really scary. But what I want you to think about is like, you can show up in meetings and you can be like, okay, I know that I want my professional reputation to be that like, let's say I'm a really good leader. So I'm going to try to show really good thought leadership in meetings and I'm going to show as I'm doing my work that I'm really leading and I'm going to just show up as that like really powerful version of myself who like leads so fearlessly and so strongly. But you're still relying on everyone around you to make this mental leap of noticing this And making the connection in their minds of like, oh, she's a really good leader. I see her leading in meetings. I see her leading on her projects. She's a really excellent leader. You're doing these things and you're relying on other people to observe you leading so that that can become part of the narrative that they have about you in their minds. And it will. When you start amping up your behavior at work, you start amping things up, people will, hands down, they will notice, you will get feedback. People will probably compliment you. you It'll feel great and you will start to get rewarded for it. Like hands down, people will notice. However, if you want to close the gap and not have them having to make this big leap on their own in their minds and not rely on them to be seeing everything you're doing and be thinking about you in exactly the way that you want them to think about you, If it's important for you to go that extra mile, then the last place that your narrative gets formed is where you talk about yourself. I really want you to think about this. Let's say, again, let's say within your reputation, you want to be known as a strong leader. You can be leading day-to-day in your work. You can be leading in meetings. And if you're sitting down with your manager talking about your professional development, talking about your performance, doing feedback sessions, and you let your manager know that you are working on leadership and that is a really important focus area for you, they are going to start noticing the things that you're doing. And this is where I think a lot of us, unfortunately, miss out on the opportunity to shape our own professional reputation. However you want to be thought of in your work environment, you get to have that dialogue with your manager You get to tell your manager what you're working on in terms of your professional growth. You get to tell them where you're growing and evolving. You get to help them understand who you're trying to be in the context of your feedback conversations and your professional development conversations with your manager. This is why it's essential, essential, so important. I feel like I'm going to explode, but it's so important that you have time on your calendar carved out specifically for one-on-one professional development discussions with your manager. It has to be separate time. So if you have a one-on-one with your manager that you already do, let's say weekly or whatever, you need an extra meeting at least once a month, at least one hour a month that is purposely titled. And the sole purpose of that meeting is for your professional development. This is where you'll begin having discussions with your manager, about the areas where you're growing. And as you talk to them about where you're growing, they're going to start to be looking for that and noticing that. And it's going to shape what they think about you. So you get to shape your professional reputation by bringing these things to the surface for them, And you're actually making your manager's job easier because you're helping them manage you. You're telling them what you're working on, right? And then eventually later when you ask for a promotion, which hopefully you do, you're going to tie it back to the areas you're working on, right? The fact that you've, let's say, been working on leadership for six months... You've had six months worth of conversations about you becoming a leader. You've had six months of really helping them see that this is your narrative, helping them get on board with the professional reputation of you as a powerful leader. Then at the end of the six months, if leadership is something that's required for you to land in that promotion, that promotion is going to be yours, right? And so it all fits together, and I really hope you can start to step back and see The links between your promotion and your professional reputation and the conversations you have with your manager and the work that you do day to day and your presence in meetings. It is all connected. And the beautiful thing about this is you get to decide what you want your professional reputation to be. And then you get to decide three out of the four things on this list you control. You control how you do your work. You control how you behave in meetings and you control whether or not you spend time with your manager talking about your professional growth, and you control what you say in those conversations. And I guarantee you, if you focus on all of those things with an intentional decision on what you want your professional reputation to be as you're doing those things, that reputation will start to form. Now, I have shared a lot in this episode. I think this Episode might take the record for longest solo episode. So here we are. So I'm going to stop it here and direct you to part three, which should be coming out most likely later this week or at the latest next week, but I'll probably just push it all out the same week. So part three, I'm going to talk about relationships. They also matter so much. I'll probably be, probably like, be freaking out and waving my hands the way that I was for this episode. And I want to direct you to the workbook, which is linked in the show notes. The workbook is going to walk you through number one, deciding what you want your professional reputation to be. Number two, surfacing some of the fears that are getting in the way of you really showing up and cultivating that professional reputation. Number three, helping you go through the list of things that I shared, the things that you're in control of and helping you choose one focus to take action on, to build your professional reputation faster. And lastly, the last part of the workbook will make more sense after you hear part three of this series, but the last part of the workbook is helping you focus on cultivating relationships because relationships are the second ingredient. Today was all about narrative, which is the first ingredient, but the second ingredient, relationships, is just as important. Okay. So if you want to put all of this into action, if you want to take all of the information I'm sharing and actually go out and build the reputation that is going to get you onto the career path that you want to be on, go to the link in the show notes, or if you put in your browser, justguysetcoaching.com slash professional reputation, it'll take you to the sign-up page for the workbook. And it's a really fun workbook, and you can do it in 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So it's quick, but it's going to give you a focus to take all of this and act on it. Okay, I'm excited for part three. This episode turned out to be longer than I thought it was going to be. It turned out to be more like just wild. I talked about lube. What the heck? I don't think I'm going to edit any of this out because it's my show. Why would I do that? Um, yeah, so it just went in a lot of directions that I wasn't necessarily expecting, that always happens when I do solo episodes. I always have my ideas of what I want to share, and then all this stuff just comes up, <laughs> and so it ends up being longer. When I try to do shorter episodes, they rarely end up shorter, but it's all good. I hope you liked this. Let me know. I would love to hear your feedback. You can message me. Come follow me on Instagram at the Art of Speaking Up. Ooh, my voice is getting a little, <laughs> a little parched from the intensity of this episode. I'm very passionate about this topic. But you can find me on Instagram at The Art of Speaking Up. And I always put my contact information in the show notes. I love hearing from you. So if you want to say hi, if you want to give me feedback, please send me a note. It like makes my day when I hear from you and when I hear from women who listen to the show. So please don't be shy. And if you want my help and if you want to work with me one-on-one to get the promotion and to get on the career path that you want to get on – Or maybe you simply just want to work on your confidence and your communication skills and your voice in a room, right? You don't have to (laughs) want to get a promotion. uh, But if that's something that you do want, I can help you with it. If you do want deeper support, though, and you want to make that bigger commitment and you want the one-on-one time with me, check out coaching.com slash coaching. /coaching. I'll link that below and you can learn all about my one-on-one work. My website will always have the latest information on whether I'm taking on -on one-on-one clients or not. And so check that out. And even if I'm not taking on clients, you can join the waitlist and you'll be next in line for when a spot opens up to work together. And I would love to connect. All right, signing off. I hope that you're doing well. I hope you love the workbook that I created. I had a lot of fun putting it together and I'm excited for part three. So I'll catch you there and cheers to a very powerful professional reputation.